everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Class 1A Podcast. As always, my name is Andrew Nimsgren, and alongside me, I have James Graham and Dylan Beal to go through episode two of season five, titled Vestiges. So guys, this was the first actual canon episode, if that's what you want to call it. How are you guys feeling compared to last week? How are you feeling about it? the kickoff of the season? Just overall, what are your thoughts before we dive in deep to the episode? It's really good. We got some got some pretty juicy story bits here uh I'm, I'm i'm really excited to talk about it and like break it apart and and dive into like a bunch of this stuff yeah i feel like they just they really didn't mess around with being like okay we understand that we didn't give you story for the first episode now we're going to give you a ton of it all at once and that's what i'm really happy about is that they just didn't hesitate at all and just lathered it right on very happy and, about it and i'm going to just say it i think we're going to talk about the best part about this episode we're going to see more miracle Yes, that is true. But I guess, I mean, for me, I forgot how much I always want, like, God damn, is that all this episode has, really? Like, especially, like, being out with the manga, like, you could have read it so much, or you're watching seasons and all that kind of stuff. Like, those 23 minutes go by in a second, and I always think there's going to be, like, one or two more plot points, and then it always just cuts off, and I'm always sad. But that just goes to show how good the season is. But before we jump into the episode recap, if you do enjoy this or any other My Hero Academia content, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash class1a. If you're a podcast listener, go check that out as well. We do exclusive content that we don't put on podcasting platforms there. Or if you watch us on YouTube and prefer to listen to this as a podcast, you can also find us at all major podcasting platforms across the world. And leaving a five-star review helps a ton. It helps other people find and enjoy the content as well. And it does show us that you guys are enjoying the content that we're putting out because everything we do is ultimately for you guys and my Hero Academia fans. So make sure to check out both of that. And then our Twitter, of course, to keep updated on everything we do at twitter.com slash class18pod. But with that, now let's jump into the episode recap for season five, episode two, Vestiges. It starts off with seeing Endeavor in the hospital after his fight against High End, but it is a flashback to the end of that fight where Dobby from the League of Villains showed up. As Dobby is about to charge Endeavor and Hawks, Miracle shows up, kind of causing Dobby to take a step back and retreat being teleported out. But as he is being teleported out, he yells at Endeavor to make sure that he doesn't die. After we get the opening credits, we do see the conversation between Hawks and Dobby that was teased in the post-credits last week where we do kind of get an idea that Hawks and Davi are working together, at least to an extent that Hawks was supposed to bring a strong hero to the city for a Nomu test that Davi wanted to do, but both of them kind of changed their plans. Originally, the Nomu test was supposed to be the following day then the attack actually happened, and Hawks wasn't really supposed to bring the number one hero, so neither one of them are really super happy, but nonetheless, they're kind of working together, and Hawks wants to get more into the League of Villains. But we learn the reason is that Hawks was told by the Hero Commission to gain the trust and enter the League of Villains so that pretty much the heroes are better prepared and not to have another Camino situation where they underestimated how strong the League of Villains was and half the city was destroyed and they pretty much lost all might. So after that, Hawks does go back and visit Endeavor, who was released after only two days with a very visible scar on the right side of his face and walks with the station while Hawks is having an internal monologue in and out of the conversation with Astral Endeavor just about how he's doing. Um, we do get some Hawks background here, learning that he saved a bunch of people when he was young with his quirk and was pretty much like approached and recruited by the Hero Commission to become a hero just because of how strong he was, but not too much in depth in there, but just a little bit of Hawks backstory that we know very little about so far. Endeavor does return home to Natsu, Shoto, and Fumi, where the tensions are still pretty high. Natsu storms out pretty much instantly, and the rest watch the TV where the two sides of people 
feeling uh, about an endeavor or talked about where some of them were still very nervous and he was bleeding. He could barely fight a Nomu while some, including the, um, who is that boy that the guy made mugs and t-shirts and stuff about him. Um, the other side of the crowd that is very supportive and very much a fan of endeavor now after what he did here. Um, we do get a little bit of a conversation between Shoto and uh, Endeavor here where he's saying that Endeavor the hero is amazing, but as a father, there's still so much to go, and I'm curious to see where it goes because I know a little thing can change a person. I thought it was a very cool moment. Endeavor has an internal monologue about what his strength is for, which is pretty much to ensure the future of everyone else, and then apologizes to the two in the room and goes out and talks to Natsu. We then jump back to... UA, where you see Midori passes out after training and enters the vested state where he sees all of the other one for all users, learns a little bit more about the basics between the connections of all for one and one for all, including that they were brothers, including about the power struggle that the original, well, all for one for all user was quirkless and just some other really cool information that we knew some of it beforehand, but just kind of got more of the story there. But the episode ends with when he does touch the first user that was now talking directly to Deku. He wakes up, which causes the glass to shatter. He's waking up breathing heavily, and his right arm is now glowing. And that is where the episode ends, exactly the same way that season four ended. So, what did you guys think about the episode in general? I thought the whole timeline of it was very kind of weird compared to how season four ended and how the first episode of season five was. But nonetheless, like you guys said, it set up so Yeah, there was many a lot stories. of jumping around between like a couple different things. I didn't know exactly what time we were in for each one of them um but i thought they were all pretty important uh like bits to catch us up on you know i i guess the bedrock of what this season is going to be based on so i i kind of just disregarded the timeline um and just like kind of soaked all that in yeah like it was it was a little jarring initially because you go you had like three or four intersecting stories all based around like endeavor and hawks but they were all just all going off in different paths but um, other than that, yeah, like I found like I got through it pretty quick. It wasn't like I feel like I've had those moments in like Game of Thrones where I'm like, I don't know when in the story I am, but this one, like it, it like it wasn't too far off. But I love the I love the little bit of Hawks like backstory. That was really cool. And you get really you really get to figure out what Hawks is about this entire episode. And I like that a lot where he is such a like a prominent and new character. Um, they really iron out like what what is like you know what his moral compass is like you know what his like shtick is like you know he's the fastest man alive kind of thing um just stuff like that like i think it's it's good that we really flesh that out early especially like at the beginning of the season because i like the way they're playing him in he's going to be such like a prominent character and you really need to iron that out for the viewership i think so i think that was it was a good approach to do that no i really agree and i guess even with the timeline thing it wasn't confusing enough that I don't think anyone even new to the series wouldn't yeah. be able to keep up with it. Like it, yeah. the timelines make sense. It all makes sense. It was all within a couple of days, except for probably the hero commission conversation, which was happened before. And then obviously Hawk's backdoor, everything else happened within the same couple of days. So the timeline didn't really matter too much, but also touching on Hawk's backstory a little bit. I'm glad they didn't just info dump an entire episode or half an episode on who, who Hawk's is. We got little snippets here and there little bit with the Dobby conversation, a little bit with the two hero commission conversations, a little bit on the backstory. And that's really enough for me to be more interested and invested in the Hawks without having to info dump a ton of information on everything we know. And obviously they've teased a little bit that we're going to learn more about him as the season goes on. Obviously he's clearly being set up to be a main character of the season, 
but without needing to know everything like Victoria's full backstory or All Might's full backstory. Like they never fully give you the entire background of anyone in My Hero Academia, which I actually really enjoy because whenever you get the little snippets about a character, it makes it even more. Yeah, I feel like we've talked about. Except yeah, for Mirko, I want more Mirko. Yes. I agree with Dylan. But yeah, no, I find like um, something that I think we've talked about a lot when we like review Vigilantes is like, you know, flashback chapters and stuff like that. And you never really get that. You do like, I mean, I'd say you get it on occasion with the anime, but they do a really good job of putting it in the story when it's not like it's appropriate. Not like, okay, it's episode like, you know, one slash two, whatever you want to call this episode. Uh, we're just going to make it entirely about Hawks and his backstory and stuff like that. They're smart about it in the pacing feels better because of that right yeah Plus, it never I, really feels like we're ripped out of the story for a long time it's just exactly. like small snippets that add on to it absolutely yeah so we can keep kind of talking about the overall episode but like i just want to know was there one or two moments from this episode that stood out to either one of you that you want to call whether it's a funny moment or really cool moment just what two moments from this episode? Easily the vestige the state stuff. It's so cool. Like visually, like, I don't know. It's just really cool and really interesting. And it's, I don't know, it's mysterious. I want to know who all the people are. Why are the people in the back, like, shadowed and stuff? Shorted, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Are they, are they, they look evil. Yeah. The vestiges, I think, was one of the big ones for me. But also just seeing, like, like a young, like, kind of, like, scared hawks, but still, like, very being, like, being capable of like saving people at the same time like he looks like a frightened kid like with his like little endeavor doll and stuff like that and like you really feel for the character and then you find out he's just like yanking people out of like a car wreck at the same time so like it makes me that much more interested in the character to see like what the, like what he like i mean you kind of saw what he was capable of with endeavor but you really want to see what he's like one-on-one too because the dude brandishes like a feather sword too like that's sick you know what i mean like i want more of that yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, I guess for me, I have two of them. I have one that's a little bit more serious, which is going to be every moment with Dobby in this episode was amazing. The emotions and the yelling at Endeavor not to die, the whole snatch storyline that was kind of between the two scenes of how he remembered it, sitting at the poolside, like, oh, that's who that was, and started bleeding. Like, every moment with Dobby this episode was amazing. But also, I loved the whole Todoroki family thing for two main reasons. One, I loved Shoto's comment about <laughs> Nice Scar. And then two, I loved when Aizawa was sitting out by the car and the cat was just hissing at him for no reason at all. Those are just two little really funny moments that stood out for me. Even on rewatch, I laughed at both of those just because they're just both so random but so perfectly toned. So those are just a kind of couple moments um, that stood out for me. But overall, anything in this episode, I know we have a couple more structured things going on, but any other overall points on that? I think we talked a lot about the beginning anything from the actual vestige shade that really caught you off guard or anything like that yeah so i, I have one point that doesn't fit in our, our big topics we want to dive into um and usually i don't get hard on like the uh the manga versus anime differences but i want to bring up one um that i thought was interesting and i i i i, I it's like it's like a total benign thing but the kid it was like it's a look kid but like he used to be the the can't you see kid i i thought that was a better oh yeah of it. yeah um, yeah yeah and it's really interesting, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They and did really so they did yeah, change the line, at least they? in the manga. I, I I don't know if they referenced this at the end of last season, um, but at least in the manga, uh, his line is like, "Can't you see?" And like, I know I feel like in English that like makes a lot more sense and it's a lot more catchy, which makes sense on why like they they literally made the kid like a, a meme in the universe, as opposed to like the look of where it just it just felt like a random comment. It didn't feel like yeah. a memorable line. So I I thought that was weird that they changed that. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. So true, I thought true, so yeah. too because when they said that, I'm like, that's not the line. Like they show the line in the episode. I'm like, that's definitely not what he said last season in the anime. I don't even care about manga to anime because that probably could be different too, whatever in the translation. But if you went back and watched season four and watched this episode, it's different lines completely. And I want to know it, why they changed it. Okay. Um, did you, Andrew, I know you did the rewatch. Did you watch the dub too? There is no dub. There okay. No yeah. Dub no. Cause that, that's another thing I want to see is if the dub, dub yeah, goes to Kanchi oh, or, or, yeah. like, or goes to look. That's the other thing too. That's true. I forgot. I forget right. about that because I, I definitely remember hearing that line in English more than I do remember reading it. So that yeah. definitely could be it. So. Maybe it's yeah. nothing, and I'm just making. I, but I think, I th but I think the difference between the, that, manga, and the, the anime anime between the manga and the anime is is there though. The anime so is, that's like, I mean, oh, it's weird there, that we're yeah. having like different levels of a of a of translation. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. But I mean, I like that kid. That kid was like that kid did it for me. He's he was such a nice little like insert, and it makes you know it makes Endeavor just seem like that much better, right? So, right. Yeah. So. Well, congratulations, Dylan. It is now your job to bring up any differences between the anime and the manga oh, for the oh, rest no. of the season. You cannot miss a single <laughs> reference. All right. Oh, I'm going to start going up. frame by frame. Oh, my God. Yep. Perfect. Now, let's move into this couple of our kind of bigger topics that we wanted to dive into specifically here rather than giving our overall thought. We got a couple here. We have Undercover Hawks, Keeping Up the Todoroki's, or Vestige Day. James, you uh, get to pick the let's first do, one. Let's, I'll start with Undercover Hawks. Let's start with that. So I think this is the first time we've actually seen like a degree of espionage between within the hero society. And I think it's really interesting. I think they picked a really good character to do it too. Um, because it's not, it's not Ed shot. I think that's like the, the, the first thing, like they didn't get the actual ninja to do espionage. They got somebody who's very believable. Um, his, you know, his, his moral compass and or like what he wants out of the hero game really lines up with him. And I don't, even like I know I Andrew, you mentioned this earlier where it was like the hero commission, but I don't even think it's a hero commission thing. I don't think they're a part of the hero commission. The people that kind of recruited him, they because they make no mention of it. They make no mention of it. There's no familiar faces. There's no nothing. So like, no, no, it is. It, 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 it for sure hero commission. Yeah. Is it? Uh, okay. Because, uh, yeah, because the lady there is like the the head of it. Okay, I didn't. I see. I didn't recognize her. So I was like, are they just like this third party like entity or something? But yeah, they 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 only show up one other time. It's just they they like never never show them like very often. If they do, it's it's for a quick scene and it's a quick okay. like reference. Right. But yeah, no. Go go ahead. But also but yeah, no, gone. Go go ahead. But like along your lines of what you're saying, this is the first time we've seen a mm. morally gray character in My Hero Academia, unless you count Stain would be the closest to a morally gray character, but but we also consider yeah. Stain a villain. Is actually playing both lines, and even though he is an undercover agent working with the League of Villains, that's still morally gray because there's both sides think they're a double agent, so of who he actually ends up being on whose side, you never really know. It could be a double-double agent or whatever that terminology is. So this is the first time we've seen a morally gray character where we can't say, yes, for sure, Hawks is a hero. We think he is, but until we actually see how his storyline ends, we don't know where he's going to go. And that's what makes him an interesting character to me. And what makes the espionage work because we don't actually know whose side he's on because we know so I, little I could about totally the character. I totally see a scenario of where he like, I don't know, maybe either goes like full into like villain villainry or he like goes against both sides because of the one line that really stuck out uh, in his backstory um, is talking about how he wants to be. I, I forget the exact, but like in, in a world where like heroes don't have to worry about anything. That's like one of those like lines of where it's like, oh, well, like to make sure that the heroes don't have to worry about anything. Like I did all this crazy stuff and actually like 
killed every villain in the <laughs> yeah. world like like something yeah. like crazy like i could yeah. i could totally see that being like a a, a twist that might come up yeah because he, he said he wants to be the fastest man to get there or something like that right and like i mean usually that's not exactly like the most like you know uh what's the easiest way of putting this like it's like it's not you, by the books it's not by the books it's very like yeah exactly right like it, it it's definitely like a shadier path so i think he says he's just a really good character for this role and i'm i'm really happy like how this is kind of turning out and like andrew said like we like you know enough but you don't know enough at the same time to know where his loyalties really lie and he this guy could be just like totally self-interest too right like like dylan said too so there's a ton of avenues that he could go and they're all believable and i think that's a really really good thing and i think even if they keep it 100 percent straight and they just go with what we expect it to go with of like yeah he is actually working you know with the heroes and he's just like trying to go against the the league of villains even if they do that route they set things up in such a way that it still leaves that air of mystery, which just makes it good, which just makes yeah, it better. Absolutely. I oh, I don't really have much else to add on that. I think both of you guys had really good points there. So Dylan, introduce us. Yeah, I feel <laughs> like the total I feel like we need to write like two. a theme song or something, uh, because it, it, we're 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 in it. We're in keep up with the Todoroki season two. Um, I, I it, it's a pretty funny uh. Like, I guess in joke that like finally in the anime, we, we're going to really start getting into because we haven't had a lot of these moments, but it's just it's family drama. It's Todoroki family drama. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I'm kind of a sucker for it. I like it. I'm kind I, of a sucker for it. I, I know, yeah. It's engaging. Like I, you're actually yeah. into it during the episode. Like it didn't feel out of place and it kept me entertained and kept the story moving without even feeling like it was a weird jump to Midoriya right afterwards. Yeah, I thought the scar comment, that was, oh, that's a 10 out of 10 moment. That is such a good moment. Poor Fuyumi, though. She's trying so hard. Like, yeah, that's what it is. Like, like, we know so little about Fuyumi, but you still feel bad for her in this moment that she's trying to bring the family back together and Natsu's overacting. Shoto's being Shoto endeavors, obviously just an emotional wreck in every level. So like it's, it's such just, a rough spot, and like you just you feel for all the characters there. So yeah, I, I, it is just kind of an in joke. It's a meme more or less because there is so much Todoroki family drama, more than like Midoriya has zero family drama, which usually the main character always has some kind of family drama. It's all about Todoroki, the Todoroki. So I do love that, and it is just so good. You don't see it in a ton of anime. I feel like everyone has little bits here and there, but this is a main plot line of the entire series, which is just ridiculous. But I love it. I'm talk about the fact that Natsuo was actually like pretty jacked. Like I like I noticed that like when he was like walking away, like he's a big dude. Like <laughs> Natsuo's not little at all, right? But yeah, I think it's I think it's just such it's such a nice thing to see. Like, uh, like and, and we talked about this like when it was first introduced to like like you know the the cork breeding. I guess is like probably the best way of putting it. But like to see like what the repercussions of that are in this society and stuff like that. Like I'm sure like Endeavor might be in, in the, you know, the Todoroki family might be the most, I guess, like, uh, like blown out of, or maybe not blown out of proportion, but the most like emphasized one of this, this sort of culture, but it's, I'm sure it exists. And it's really cool to see how that, what that happens or like how that affects the family dynamic. Plus all the trauma and the scarring and all that other shit too. Right. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. But clearly, they're setting this up in the first main episode of the season. So I'm still going to be getting a ton more of this. So it'll probably become a segment or something on the show. that we'll, we, we should just come up with these zombies. I have a feeling every couple episodes, there's going to be a good keeping up the Todoroki's update. But I guess the last thing to kind of really talk through is the vest state. 
It was teased last season a little bit. We got at the very last moment of season four. We kind of got in the preview last week, and we've gotten even a teaser for going all the way back to season two during the school festival arc. We see the figures there. They even make a callback here in the episode there. But now Deku's actually in this dreamlike state being talked to by previous predecessors. It's not a dream. He's not dreaming all this. This is a very thing that is happening to him because as we saw the first user actually talking to him, we see it have an actual effect onto his body and it's setting up so much more that obviously is kind of being limited by Deku's current ability because they said you're only at 20% right now, which is obviously teasing. Once you know, once you're stronger, you'll get even more, which is crazy. So I, I have a question about that, right? So I assume he randomly goes into this whenever he's sleeping. Uh, so it's like, I guess like, you know, you go down the path, it's like a dream, go into the best shape, right? My question is like, is that the case? Or can he just go into it whenever? So like, could he just be walking and his like eyes just like roll in the back of his head and he just like enters this vested state and everyone's like, just, like staring at him. Maybe you know, eventually like or something. He clearly has like, no control over it right now, but that'd be cool. <laughs> I don't know if it'd be cool. But I think it'd be like kind of scary. Well, if he has we control of it. I like it's uh it's 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 cool because you like you get like you get revealed that there's so much going on, but you know jack shit about it. And that's, I think, really, really interesting. And the fact that, like, they give some characters, like, definitive features and, like, you know, you get the full, their full costume and stuff like that. And then others are just, like, blurred out too, right? Like, that scene where you kind of see the whole line of them and there's the two at the beginning who are just, like, you know, wh like, what's the, what's their deal? Why are they blurred out and the other ones are not? Like, um, I mean, uh, Dylan even brought this up earlier. I think it was, it might've been in pre-show. Like, are they villains? Like, are they, were they the bad people that used, you know, uh, all for one, like, or one, one uh, you know what I mean? Um, like it, it, there's so many, there's so many questions about this that we just don't have answers to, but it was such a good scene too, that you get to see the actual communion between the first and Deku to a degree. Right. Like there's, it was, it was nothing and a lot all at the same time, which I, I, th I feel like is the theme of this episode. Yeah, one thing really stood out to me um, that I really want to know more about is he said to Deku, you're past the point of singularity. I want to know what kind of ominous <laughs> stuff that is. What is that? What is that supposed to mean? Yeah, that, yeah that's, what, that's really true. I mean, but yeah, I think that's just kind of setting it up like it's being ominous. Like this is just going to be a major method of plot and lore in the show from the rest of the time. Like, oh, great. Obviously, Deku has so much to learn. We still have something to learn about unleashing and all that kind of stuff, which we're still have the idea that it could be a potentially a second quirk based on the movie, blah, 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 blah. But like, not only for that, but how to defeat one for all, how to do this, how to do that. Like there's questions that all might can't answer. Cause obviously all might no longer has it. He didn't really seem to have much connection to the state because he didn't know about it during the um, school festival arc. So there's so many more questions that obviously all for one, I mean, all might's not going to be able to answer that it'll just be okay. Deck is going to the Vestage State. It's a Vestage State episode. Let's get a bunch of lore dropped or a new this, a new that. So I'm really interested to see how they take advantage of it. But it's a good way to introduce it. And it still makes sense in the universe of how Deck is going to learn all this stuff. So I have I have the scenario, right? I have the scenario of what's going to be sick. You know, it's going to be mid-season. It's going to be the late season, right? Deku's going to have like his, his Vestage State, you know, his, his legs. Literally his Vestage State legs. Like he's able to go into it whenever. 
this is the hyperbolic time chamber. Oh He's like, my Hold God, on. I need to train. And then he like, you know, eyes roll back into his head. He goes into his vested state and he's like with there with like all the, uh, like all those users or whatever. And he's like, he's like practicing training. with them. He's like, he's like doing sit-ups with them and he comes out of it stronger. Can do an extra 5% or something. Oh, I, so I, I'd fuck with that. That'd I'd be so cool. I, I mean, I think it answers, I, it could answer the question on how he can get stronger quicker. Like if that is the case, like if there is some sort of like time dilation. You need to speed kind of this up. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like he just goes in there and he's just like, "Hey, I I went through my training arc. I'm I'm ready to fight." Now. <laughs> I'm good to go. Yeah, I think I I think I really like the fact too is that um and I think we talked about this decent amount previous season that we've almost outgrown the fact of All Might needing to tutor Deku like the like All Might's almost kind of given him all he could and all he knows and now we're getting to the point where Deku is learning stuff from other people that like you know like 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 like, like Dylan said like we. Or it was Andrew. Um, they, like you know, All Might never really entered that state. Like he he had no idea about it at the Hero Festival. He was just like he assumed he knew what the, like like you know the deal was with the like the the eyes and stuff like that. But that was it. So it's it's kind of cool to see Deku almost surpass him when All Might was such the, this all powerful character for so so long, right? So I, I think for like the in terms of like power scaling and stuff like that, that that spells really cool things too. And it, it's just like it's a good way of representing it. Yeah, I totally agree. So. Before we do go into the Pulse Ultra War, because I feel like we wrapped up that conversation there, good. Just a little bit of what happened in the preview for next week. We don't have too much of a discussion on it, but we're finally getting what we've been teased for so long. The Class 1 versus the Class 1B fights are finally going to begin next week. Obviously, they tease like, oh, and you're a surprise member. We know that's Shindo. Like, come on, guys. We've all seen the advertising. Just give it to us. It's in the, in the opening. It's even yeah. in, the it's in the opening. Yeah, exactly. Right? Come on. I Just give it to us. But we're finally going to get that fight next week, so I'm very, very excited for that. Oh, my, my favorite part about the preview, though, is just like Deku's like, oh, man, this is so scary. Like, I don't know what's going on with the Betch estate. Uh, anyways, I guess I got to go to class. Yeah. <laughs> like, that line I got to go so fight. To me. It's, yeah. yeah, it's most anime-ass line ever, man. Yeah. But with that, let us move into our Plus Ultra Award for Season 5, Episode 2. If you do not know what the Plus Ultra Award, that is a weekly award that each and every week we decide which character, hero, idea, whatever you want to pick went beyond win plus ultra and was the highlight of the episode for each one of us that we will tally up and decide one or two plus ultra winners at the end of the season five. So Dylan, give us your reasoning and who is season five, episode two, plus ultra. This is an easy one. Absolutely easy one. You have a scenario, right? The number no, one and no. number yep. two hero yep. are on yep. the ropes. They're about to die. Do you realize how bad it would have been if the number one and number two here would have died? Wait, what catastrophic world we would be in? But no. From out of nowhere, without a hesitating at all, hops in our great savior, Mirko. Hops in and absolutely bops Dobby out of existence. Puts him into the ink uh, teleporter whole thing, that whatever that was. It puts him away. Absolutely puts him away. Lock and key. She could have taken him. She could have taken. She could have taken she, the whole the whole league right there. She, she like, had less than a minute of screen time, and you still found a way to work her in. She man. saved. She literally saved the number one and number two hero. We don't know that God. for a fact. We do. James, we give me a better one than that, please. I'm. It's kind of. You know what? I want to get. I'm giving it to Endeavor. I'm giving it to Endeavor. He's trying to atone. He's trying to make amends, and I think that takes that takes a lot of takes a lot of strength. That takes that's something very difficult to do. 
he just got his ass kicked too. So the guy's already like, he's already having a rough go. Like, and he's, you know, he's trying to make amends with his family. Right. So I think it's a toss up between him and Hawks, but I think, I think Endeavor wins out. I got Dobby. What? He would have been able if it was like, with how his plan went to effect, if Mirko didn't randomly show up, he would have killed the number one and two hero today. So do we think? Do we think so that Endeavor and Hawks got plot armored, or is that what we think? I, wait, so so what you're saying is Dobby would have done it, but someone else came in and was better than yeah, him. Yes, so, but also he doesn't trust Hawks. He didn't believe in Hawks, which set up this entire thing to actually make it go to plan. He was able to easily escape whenever he wants to now. And he was able to just have a couple of badass lines, just ignoring people that he's killed right in front of Endeavor to piss him off even more, tell Endeavor not to die. And then on the beach, like, oh yeah, I remember who that is. Just clearly pissing him off. Love this Dobby. I, Dobby is a character I want more of. And this was a hard episode. I don't feel like there's any clear one. Endeavor would have been my number two, but I don't yeah. know. Dobby stood out to me for this episode. Mirko, I forgot, was in it until Dylan brought it back up. Of course, Dylan brought it back up. You did not forget about it. No, I did. But you did not. That will be the plus ultras for this week. But you guys don't know about this. But let's go over to the class bulletin board because we have our first ever question that if you ever want to write in and ask us any question you want about the series, topics, or anything like that, you could do, which is going to be a contact at popdop.com. Reach out to us on Twitter, leave comments on YouTube, however you want to do it. This was from X, one of the listeners. He, he comes into my streams and all that kind of stuff sometimes. And he asked this question. Do you think it's possible for Muriel with his quirk to shoot projectiles from his body? Ooh, because we've good, only ever seen one. him pop out of bigger objects. But if he puts a smaller object in, there's two outcomes. It projects out of him, or he just kind of plops an inch forward after he does it, and it falls behind him. That's like the two outcomes, or it stays inside of him because it's smaller than him. I, I want to go with that one. I want to say that it gets like fused with him, and that's what makes his quirk so, so borderline self-destructive. I but I I like this. I like I don't know how he would like warp it to give it any amount of velocity, but maybe, maybe. Yeah. So when he mentions he uses his quirk while he's underground, he mentions that his two things can't be in the same place at once he shoots back up super fast. So if he made the middle of his hand permeable and the left and left a small rock in it and made the area around it non-permeable, he should be able to deactivate his quirk in his hand and the rock would shoot out crazy fast. Was what is his reason? He gave a lot more kind of context behind it, but that was kind of the general idea of where he was going with it. I so I yeah, I think it, I know it's <laughs> it's cool. I'm saying yes. Yeah, I, I yeah. I don't know. I want it to be yes, because God, that's such a cool way. But I feel like if Mirror could have done that, he would have figured that out. He's so smart and such, such an expert with his quirk that I feel like he would have tried that at some point, or maybe he's too afraid to try it because he doesn't know what will happen because he only does with bigger objects. But if he could do that, that would make him so much cooler than he already is. And the idea and concept of it, whether it's possible or not, is such a good question and something you could honestly like do like a Mythbusters episode on like a 20 minute deep dive into this question alone, having reasons for it, why and can't work. So it was a really cool question. And yeah, yeah that's, that's a good question. It really is. I like that. I like that a lot. That's, that's, that's a smart question. I'm, I'm, I fuck with that. Yeah. So obviously, like I said, class bulletin board, we're not gonna have it every week, but whenever people want to write any questions, we'll kind of do a quick answer or give our thoughts on something. 
It could be about previous episodes. It could be about previous seasons. It could be about random topics about quirks. Whatever you guys want to write in, if you want us to get our opinion or just talk about something on the show, always willing to. Twitter.com slash popped off. I mean, Twitter.com slash class one A pod or content at poppedoff.com would be the easiest way to do it. Or leaving YouTube comments and all that is also a great way for us to see those as well. But with that, that'll be all for this week's episode of the Class 1A Podcast. We'll be back here next Sunday, next Saturday, for episode 3 of season 5 and digging into everything that's going to happen with the Class 1A versus Class 1B fight. Until then, see you all next week.